Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of Afraid to Ask. This is a podcast where we ask all the questions you don't want to because you're too embarrassed or you don't know who to talk to or something like that. So my name is Stanton, aka Stan. I'm not sure if I needed to mention that, but I did. <laughs> and my name is Carmel, and today we're asking the question, will handwriting go the way of the dinosaurs? We know it's been on your mind, so we're here to answer that for you. In this episode, we're joined by senior lecturer in journalism, Greg Treadwell and Dr. Peter Gilderdale, Senior Lecturer in Communication Design. Everything from calligraphy to graffiti, we just really delve into the whole world of handwriting, which is a lot more interesting than you might have thought. And you'll only know that if you keep listening till the end. Later on in the episode, we're going to hear from Stan on the Street, which is our regular segment where my buddy here, Stan, cruises AUT campuses and gets the students' opinions. If you want to get in contact with us or even submit your own question for a future episode, you can tweet with the hashtag, hashtag AskAUT. Let's get to it. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on first. What's the deal with airplane peanuts? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? At this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Okay, first let's just introduce ourselves. Yeah, so I'm Carmel. Sure. I'm Stan. I'm Stanton, but you can call me Stan. And I'm Peter. And I'm Greg. Great. Awesome. So, when was the last time you used a pen, Greg? This morning. Okay. Yep, I used a pen this morning to uh, address an envelope. Uh, and I used a pen this morning to make some notes. But I have to admit that very much most of my written communication these days is on a laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about you? A little bit the same for me. Uh, I, I use pens when I want to do something a little bit different or when I want to nut out ideas. But just for everyday communications, I'm fairly much on the computer. Mm-hmm. Mm. Same for you, Stan? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. Quite good to note here, though, that yeah. we are of different generations. If you yes. Yes. We've got yeah. some... We're old. Excuse me. Thank <laughs> you for putting that <laughs> I'm middle-aged. Mature. And, <laughs> mature. But, and we've got yeah. the youth instead. At this point, though, we seem to sort of all have a similar mm. yeah. level of writing yes. typing. Yeah, yeah I yeah. guess it's to do with our jobs as well, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. So um, let's talk about right at the beginning. When did we start... When did humans start using written language? Um, Tell me about it. Well... As with all prehistory, it's an it's a changing, evolving thing because we keep finding new things. But uh, at the moment, we can say that sometime in the fourth millennium BC, um, we can definitely see writing developing. Um, it was developing in a number of different places: uh, the Indus Valley in India, uh, China. Uh, but most particularly in um, the Near East, um, Mesopotamia. For a long time, people believed that that was the uh, place that writing was invented, but now it could just as well be Egypt. We really don't know, but somewhere around the middle of the 4th millennium BC, uh, and this was because towns were getting bigger, and when you have a small group of people, everybody can remember stuff, but at a certain point, the you know as you get more and more people together you have to um, be able to record things and so writing really comes out of that need to record. Mm. Mm. And is it true that the first um, the first people that were literate would be religious people writing um, you know writing out copies of the Bible and things like that? Well, the Bibles are a long time later. Later than that. Than that. Um, uh, but uh, no, for the, for the most part, if it was religious, it was about 
uh, temple rec records, offerings, and things like that. Uh -huh. But y you can't really say that something's, you know, the distinction between religion, state, private life is a much more modern one. And when you go uh, back to those periods, it doesn't make it a lot of sense. It was all one and the same. Fairly much. Got it. So, what kind of writing material uh, would that have been? Well, the first literature was the Epic of Gilgamesh, yes. right? And that's generally accepted as the first example of written language used for literary purposes as opposed to just record-keeping or day-to-day -day communication. And that was handwritten? It certainly wasn't done on a laptop. <laughs> it, was, all right, all right. it was done on a tablet, but that tablet was made out of clay. Very different to today's right. tablets. Yeah, yeah so it's clay really tablets. Funny. The Mesopotamians uh, didn't have, like the Egyptians had papyrus, but the Mesopotamians um, had a lot of mud. And so they uh, they made their writing materials out of clay, and they had the nice habit of burning one another's uh, towns down, which meant that we have an awful lot of records from town libraries because they would get baked. Whereas for the Egyptians, if you burnt their town down, uh, the papyrus went up in smoke. Oh wow! So. <laughs> so it was a History is made by some of the most sort of coincidental yes. things, yeah. isn't it? Isn't it's it? Amazing. Yeah. yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about ink. Mm. I have this idea that in the old days people used some wacky things <laughs> to, as ink. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Uh, the the uh, lots of different things. I mean, m variations on lamp black a, a lot of the time. But what you would bind it with would vary a lot. So the best inks uh, in medieval days were made out of uh, with oak gall, but. People would oak gall. Oak gall. It's a, it's a sort of like a, a little growth that you get on a, on an oak tree, oh. and, uh, and that has has really good a pigment um, pigment in it. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of stuff that people would put in to bind. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking. I think I seem to remember reading snail slime, uh, you know, <laughs> and things like that uh, on occasions. But generally speaking, it's uh, you know uh, some kind of of um, black. From lamps and something so like egg white, yeah, egg yeah. white or something that will bind it. Um, looking back in history mm -hmm. as well, would you say would it be fair to say that um, writing in the past was something that was done primarily by the rich, whereas today, mm -hmm. in the generation that we live in, in New Zealand, I yeah, suppose, in New more, Zealand, more yeah, predominantly yeah. yeah. the poor. Uh, that's, a very, that's a very Tricky. interesting question. Is, yes. So I guess one of the areas I'm skilled up in is, mm. is the concept of the digital divide. Mm. And I think that yeah. that's possibly what, what you're hinting at, Stan. Mm. Yes. There is um, certainly in the past, it's a matter of education as much as anything in the past. So the educated would, mm. would have uh, the ability to write. Uh, so in a sense, you're right. The privileged in the past were the writers. And, and today, if you consider the digital divide, there's an argument that the wealthy and privileged have access to the internet and digital devices mm. and that a very large number of the world's poor don't. Yeah. We have to be a little bit careful there, though, because handwriting isn't a natural language. Mm. It must be taught. It isn't something you pick up off your parents like spoken language, uh, which doesn't need to be taught because we learn it just by an instinct. Mm. Um, you have to teach somebody how to write. So the poor today may be more likely to write for matters of material 
resource, but they must have been educated and a lot of the world's poor haven't been very well educated and so in fact they might be poor and not out of yeah. And if you if you go back um, earlier than this um, the it's certainly true that if you look at medieval times for example the uh, vast uh, number of people that will write documents that we have uh, were uh, wealthy uh, you know upper middle class or uh, upper class people um, but if you look at what who could write, it was a much larger uh, group of people. But people uh, often wouldn't know how to use a, a quill pen, but they did know how to pick up a piece of uh, charcoal and put something on the wall. And so there's this huge tradition of writing uh, as graffiti, which we can see in Pompeii and places like that in Roman times, but which carried on right the way through the medieval world uh, with people scratching on windows, uh, writing with with um, with candles on the ceiling, and you know if you went back and looked at an Elizabethan house, uh, it would not look like the National Trust version today. <laughs> it would have graffiti written all over it, and there are a very small number of paintings which document public houses and things which show all that graffiti wow. on them. So what are they what sort of thing are they writing? Uh, well, if, if to go by by Caesar Pompeii, sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, everything We're thinking it, the Victorians, what were they? Uh, Victoria sucks. Uh, yeah. uh, graffiti hasn't changed much. <laughs> it, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, you know notes to self and uh, you know people wanting to just leave a record of who, who they are and and uh, publicly say that somebody has done something really nasty to them, you know. <laughs> and indeed in a way, Banksy and today's graffiti yeah. artists are part of that very uh, strong tradition yeah. because yeah. there's a, a, an element of social criticism comedy. almost yeah. always in graffiti. Yeah. Indeed. Mm. Calligraphy. Is yeah. it experiencing a resurgence? Yes. A one-man resurgence. There have been several calligraphy revivals. Mm. Um, My mother uh, was part of one in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the big one in the 80s, which, uh, which sort of came out of... Um, uh, I, I guess uh, uh, an increased sort of hippie interest in all things old um, but the current one has been going since about 2002-2003 and is increasing with young people uh, who are um, digital native and are uh, interested in everything that isn't digital mm. uh, and this is something that's quite hard to get educational administrators uh, in their uh, 30s and 40s who grew up with computers and think it's the bee's knees to actually believe but actually students mm. really want these things um, and uh, the the desire to just use your hands and try something different and do it in a different way is really big. So there's a lot of a lot of young, really young um, calligraphers in their twenties and thirties who are combining elements of graffiti and calligraphy together mm -hmm. and doing really really exciting things. Uh, and it's very cool. And if you you know. Um, all you have to look at is Kanye West's latest um, outfits, and he's used he's used calligraphy on them. Right, right. Mm. So there is so a it's research. very cool. Yes, yeah. and I guess that's part of that. Um, back to you know more cooking blogs yeah. and more pottery yeah. um, enthusiasm at the moment. You know the handcrafted yeah. the. Yeah. 
Um, We've got to stop short of macrame, though. Okay? <laughs> Calligraphy good, macrame not so good. Well, I might have to argue that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, you, you can see it in cooking as well. You yeah. Know, I, I mean, the, the it's all part of the slow movement. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And back to the, the old-fashioned way of doing slow things. Slow writing. My, my daughter's uh, compatriots were all baking cupcakes and things. Now, now go back a generation and you wouldn't find an educated middle-class bunch of girls cooking anything mm. it, this would have been uh, you know feminism would not have allowed it yeah. so things have changed a bit that's mm. true yeah mm. and just um, looking at uh, I'm thinking handwriting the traditional mm. way of handwriting mm. merging with technology would you consider using a stylus pen um, a form of handwriting for handwriting, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the Romans used a, uh, a stylus on a, on tablets. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's uh, it's a perfectly decent thing. The, the, the only thing that I, w- I would want is a bit better surface to write on. Uh, a lot of tablets aren't very nice. They um, slip, don't yeah, they? they? And they, mm. yeah, those rubbery ends yeah. of the stylus yeah. pens yeah. are not but, great. But, but realistically, we've you know, people aren't going to do that until until we read teach how to hold a pen because generally speaking people don't know how to hold a, hold a, 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 a stylus Is that on a, a school a, a, a failure? Yeah, yes. Yeah, we, we unfortunately in the 60s we gave up teaching uh, anything as restrictive as telling somebody how to hold a pen. <laughs> so, you know, this, this I'm was, sure we did learn that. In the um, 80s? <laughs> I, mostly from the evidence. Am that I I've holding got. it right? Yeah, I'm questioning yeah, my you pen are. skills. Okay, you that's, are, you're let's not. just tell <laughs> the listeners at home that <laughs> I am holding my pen correctly. Yes. <laughs> so why am I doing it wrong, right? Peter? The, the, reason, <laughs> the reason is that your, your hand's cramped. So, so the, the, uh, uh, you would you you your wrist your... up and your, your hand's a bit tight. At the end of a three-hour exam, you would have sore fingers. I did. Right? I did. <laughs> Yeah. So my index uh, finger yeah. is a bit longer extended, and yeah. where did you learn? Um, Palmerston North. Well, so you had a, you <laughs> West had an, End School. You had an atypical and very good teacher. Oh, but most most teachers. Way. Yeah, that's Shout pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Three fingers <laughs> is the way to is uh, is the way to hold. Okay. Um, if you look through, I, I studied two thousand years of people holding pens, and up until the beginning of the twentieth century, this was how they held them. With two uh, and fingers. And then along came fountain pens, which were heavy. Uh, and so people dropped the pen into the uh-huh. web of their hand like this, and then came the ballpoint, and everyone did that. Right. Because ballpoints have to be held high. But if they oh. worked like a quill, they'd have held it like that, and it would have been fine. Okay, so pens. Ballpoints, well, incidentally, are good pens. You can do interesting things with them. They're not, they're <laughs> so not you're as no bad snob. Think, no. Okay, <laughs> so let's bring out the snobbery, though. What is your favourite pen to use, both of you? Do you have a favourite? Uh, as a journalist, I have to admit that my favourite writing instrument is a pencil. Mm-hmm. And this is for a number of reasons. Yeah. They don't suddenly stop working in the middle of an interview. They don't stop <laughs> working if it suddenly rains at the scene of, a, of an accident or you're, you're uh, covering a story outside mm-hmm. and it's suddenly raining. A pencil is sort of the most reliable thing you can have. And mm-hmm. I, I try to encourage our students to, to go out to jobs as, as young reporters, not forgetting a pencil as well as as a pen but mm-hmm. in fact it's even a little hard to get them to take pens these days because they just want to record the interview with their iPhone mm-hmm. um, but we can talk more about that in a minute mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I mean it, it's horses for courses it's what do you want to write I mean if uh, there are certain types of calligraphy where you need a quill um, 
but um, uh. yeah, the the um, I, I have to admit, I, I like a pencil as well. You mm. can sharpen it down. I, I can do micro writing with pencils mm. if I want to. You know, I can write smaller than I can see. You know, um, so uh, you know. It's so confusing, I like but <laughs> no, no, no. You can do it by feel. So you so know, there's a that's how, that's how you get the Lord's Prayer on a poster yeah. stamp, yeah. Uh, right. or on a grain of rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that as a job, Peter? Uh, calligraphy. Yeah. Well, no, um, you know, writing someone's name on a grain of rice no, at no, a I, tourist I trap. I, I, <laughs> the, the, the main thing I tried to do was to find out how, how small a broad-edged pen rather than a pointed one what, uh, I could get. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managed to do broad-edged calligraphy at, at about... Um, so that letters were under uh, under about half a millimeter high, yeah. and that was that was fun. <laughs> I can't do it now; my eyes have uh, are not up to it. But <laughs> so a friend of mine gave me a Lamy pen, you know, yeah, Lamy. They're, they're, they're good. They're very nice, yeah. but mm. I have to say the ink smears. I come away with a handful of blue. I don't like it, uh, <laughs> and they dry out. That's it, you know. Sorry, but if you, if you're going to work with ink, you're going to get your hands ink on your hands you just live with that parts and parts of yeah. Oh, yeah. just yeah. not going to I don't use it I don't use it it's why it's why designers uh, you know traditionally used to wear black you know because ah, they were getting ink all over yeah. themselves yeah. Mm. so it's not a hipster posturing no the hipsters copy everything <laughs> it, it, it is now but I, no I have great great uh, hopes for the hipsters I think they might even bring, bring back the letter you know uh as in the mm. as in writing the letters, letters. Posters. Writing posters. I, letters I admit that I am a letter writer. <laughs> there we go. Well, I think we need more letter writing because yeah. I don't think we can afford to have all those postmen and postwomen unemployed. Well, mm. it's already cutting back, isn't it? I only yep. get mail every three days. Well, I, you know, I think you want a good postal service just because you have to have an alternative to, to this because, you know, you only need mm. one decent-sized eruption of, uh, of Mount Ruapehu and, uh, and the grid will go down for a substantial amount of time That's because so much of it go, yeah. goes up through the middle of the North Island. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have to have some kind of alternative. Analog so option. You, you wanted to be convinced, I understand, <laughs> <laughs> that that you should write and not do everything on your iPhone mm, or your, right. Stan is yeah. actually the youngest right. one here yeah. and I think he's the one that needs the convincing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking about this mm. this question, Stan, and, and and I did come up with a two word answer and that's power cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because you, you won't if we lose power for five days, your tablet, your iPhone is going to be flat. Yeah. If we are a society full of people who have lost the ability to to hand write with by hand um, we're going to we're going to really struggle. I mean, I, I think it's uh, the same reason that you have candles in the drawer. You have electric lights in your house, but you will always have candles in your drawer. Same thing. I think we we will for the next at least hundred years be writing on automated, yeah. powered by electricity machines. But if power goes down for whatever reason, and I've just read. A book recently in which one of the major events was mm. something called, a futuristic book called and they had an event in it called net crash one mm. now that's apocalyptic it's a book but if we if the internet did go down mm. how would we communicate mm. and yeah. and mm. handwriting if we're not able to do that yeah. mm. you you've got to be able to write help in the sand yeah, yeah. Mm. And so or if we all get kidnapped by a psychopath that, and held in a cell i'm watching the yeah. oa and they need to write <laughs> 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 that, <that's, laughs> 
yeah. very good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a whole whole lot of things. I, I I think that's probably the functionally the most important mm-hmm. reason. But there's there's some other things. That what I about the important. brain? You know, I was talking yeah. to a Japanese lecturer mm-hmm. yesterday, and she said that learning kanji, kanji is a, a type mm. of Japanese character that is yeah. incredibly difficult and there are thousands of them. Mm. So for a student of Japanese to learn them, you will never learn if you're not writing them out yeah. by hand. Something happens with our brain yeah. when we do that. Well, well, there was somebody on the uh, television recently who was talking about um, making uh, tact- computers that, that uh, would work by not even by touching them by moving your hand around in the air but the reason that they were doing this was because you're you they said that the research um, showed that you learn twice as fast when you're doing something with your hands mm-hmm. as to any other way of taking it in. It makes a lot of so, sense. So that, that's... As teachers, we just call that learning yeah. by doing, don't we? That's yeah. experiential yeah. education. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, I, under, I, I believe also that as you as you learn to handwrite, yeah. you, you actually create unique neural pathways in mm-hmm. your brain. So... I'm not saying that without that process of of, the, of creating those neural pathways, mm. we're going to suddenly, you know, lose all the great things about being human. That that's not the case. But if we don't teach children how to handwrite, they'll have to have something else that stimulates yeah. those neural pathways. So, yes. um, and it isn't just about having a more active brain. They actually help you learn. And I mean, the the, the interesting thing when you go back and look at pr- Victorian times and further back is that you were judged on your handwriting. Your character was judged by your handwriting. Not as an expressive thing, but because if you had good handwriting, it showed you had the discipline... To right, practice to and learn. practiced mm. and learnt something. Mm, and so it was, it was used as a, as a touchstone of what type of person is this. Yes. And if they've got sloppy handwriting, they're going to do everything else in a sloppy yes. way. And Did that lead into graphology? Uh, I knew, knew we yes, we, we are going to. What can you tell about a yeah. person from their handwriting? You, can according you to the anything? internet, quite a lot. Is that but right? Like Have you done some what, research? I'd like to hear what Peter has to say. Well, I, I, I'm, uh, I haven't tested it exactly. There are certain things that, that I know that I can see from my handwriting if I'm tense and so on. So there's a degree to which your your handwriting may reflect a bit of your emotional state but i'm extremely suspicious about whether uh, if you have tall loopy handwriting that has anything to do with your your personality personality. i think it has a great deal to do with how you hold your pen because i I do a lot of um historical writing um uh, you know so for for uh, films and for museums and so on I, I i do things so i have to do something that looks like a historical hand and the the way that i do that is by changing the grip because i can make my uh, my handwriting have tall ascenders and l- long descenders which is just to do by with changing the grip using a quill yeah. the way that you're holding it so, is as though you're yeah. using a quill so, so i think the thing that the thing that your handwriting shows most of all is actually how you're holding the pen and whether you're putting pressure on it and so on and only in as much as you may hold the pen a bit tighter if you're uptight you know that mm-hmm. might might transfer but I, i'm very dubious about sort of a bit like phrenology i've like always sort of yeah, d- I think now it's, I, I, if you look at the theories of graphology, they appear to be just 
too straightforward yeah. for credibility in, yes. my, in my view. Yeah. So if you write apparently mm. with wide open spaces between your letters... You're an open-minded you're person. You're an open, confident <laughs> yeah. person. And if you have little tight scrunched up stuff, you really need to go and chill in Bali for a while. <laughs> so I, I, I just don't really think it could be that simple. No, and the, the worrying thing is that companies actually use, you know, appoint people on the basis of this. And I, I, I'm, I, I have yet to be convinced that there is a sound... You think they still that do still that? Nowadays? It's uh, certainly quite recently, yes. Oh, wow. So um, another interesting thing that I read was that um, in, in the US, most states, I think all apart from four or six states, mm. um, have removed cursive handwriting from the school curriculum. Mm. Um, There's a big backlash. Mm. There's a growing backlash because it's that cursive writing, apparently, mm. that stimulates these um, entirely unique neural pathways. Mm. Now, Peter would know more about the writing, but the, the, um, there's now a backlash from teachers who want to return to cursive writing. Mm. Uh, whether that will gather enough momentum to, to have a huge effect, but you're right, nearly the whole of the states now doesn't teach cursive writing to young mm. children, and that has change communication with for those generations you know well, forever it, i yeah. mean the thing is that that cursive writing is faster yeah. So if you if you're a journalist, you want to write fast. Well, um, actually, you know. if you're a journalist, do you, you want, not want to use shorthand? Well, Over to shorthand. Yeah, yeah. Um, shorthand is an incredibly uh, in an incredibly interesting place in this history. Um, shorthand goes back uh, right back to the Parthenon, uh, where they found a tablet with uh, a shorthand system. They're basically built on vowel sounds with some reference uh, to consonants, but mostly not. Um, it, it was there. It was also um, developed uh, within Roman times for taking down. Uh, in particular, um, Cicero's speeches were taken down by his. Um, he had been a slave. This guy. He was then became a freedman. He stayed with Cicero. Cicero um, got him to develop a a, a, um, a, sh- a shorthand system of sorts, uh, known as the Tyronian no- notes. His name was Tyro, and and he um, those those notes no longer existed. But we found copies of them through the from the Renaissance. Mm. And uh, those copies have been studied enough so that we can understand it really was a shorthand uh, used for taking notes of a speech, which is a direct mirror of what journalists have used uh, shorthand for in recent times. But of course, shorthand is, despite that long and proud history, it is is in trouble now, Mm. if you like, given the ease of digital recording. Mm. Um, In journalism, of course, in going back to a point I made before, it's no good if your batteries are flat, if it's raining Mm. or whatever. So unfortunately, um, it's very hard to justify a shorthand course in a university these days. Number of reasons, shorthand teachers are almost impossible to Mm. find. You can encourage some old journalists to come back and teach shorthand, but there aren't that many who want to do that. Um, old secretarial type shorthand teachers are very much on the way out and, and, and as rare as hen's teeth. Mm. Um, um, but on top of that, uh, the digital technology, it, it just seems easier for students now, mm. uh, students of journalism, to go and record their interviews than take notes. But I think we're in a time when there's still a, a, a strong argument for shorthand. Um, what we do now is we enroll our students in an external course, an external online course. Mm-hmm. It's not an academic subject. It's very hard to convince a university mm-hmm. uh, faculty that it should be funding a non-academic course. Yeah, it's a skill um, rather than it, a absolutely. theoretical. <coughs> yeah. There's plenty of skills in journalism, but we mix them up with theory. Yeah. And yet 
with shorthand, it's so isolated as a skill that it's it's very hard. So do you use it on a daily basis just in your general I, I do. I, I don't know that I would use it on a daily basis now because I'm not so often taking notes. But if I'm doing any journalism, and I still do do journalism, um, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wrote a feature for Metro Magazine last year. All my notes were in shorthand. But I can see students these days looking and thinking, do I really have time for that? Mm. It takes a long time to learn it. How do we reverse that trend? Mm. Um, A few few court cases where you can't come up with a good shorthand. Because shorthand was always, uh, reporters particularly, court reporters were always encouraged to keep their shorthand notes when I was a young reporter for 10 years. But weren't they legally required to keep them? There's no law about it. There's no law about it. And and in fact, I checked with a young reporter who uh, covers court uh, just this week uh, in preparation for this um, podcast. And and he said, oh, yes, I'm definitely using it. Um, I keep my notes about three or four years. A lot of reporters now won't keep their notes at all, uh, which older reporters think is rather dangerous. Mm. Uh, a judge in a defamation case, for example, was always in, in the past quite tempted to trust a good shorthand note. Mm. So if you could turn up to court uh, and say to the judge, no, this is really what the Prime Minister said, I've got a good sh- clear shorthand note, uh, the judge would be very likely to accept that. Mm-hmm. Or, or, uh, but But these days, of course... Uh, reporters are going out, recording the interview, coming back to the office to write the story, transcribing the interview, which yeah. takes hours, annoying their editors because they're taking so long to transcribe these interviews, um, and 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 ultimately doing worse journalism in a way. Yeah. Um, but shorthand is is only just holding on by fingertips. Mm. Yo yo, Stan here. Yeah? I'm on the street, AUT City campus, talking to people about handwriting. When was the last time you used a pen? Uh, today. Ah, oh, today to pretend that I was writing. Ah, uh, yesterday to make a to-do list. <laughs> Can you rate your handwriting on a scale from 1 to 10? Probably like a 5. <laughs> Mine's probably a 5 too. It's readable, but that's it. Mine would be like 5, or like 4 even. My, yeah, my handwriting's like not the best. Yeah, probably like a, an 8 when I'm trying. I'm probably like an 8 or 9. Even when I'm scribbling, it's pretty neat, eh? <laughs> the difference between when you start an exam and by the time you end it and you like compare your handwriting, yeah. and it's just like, ah, oh, this is terrible. And do you think kids need to learn handwriting at school? I feel like where the world is going, it's there's a lot more technology and stuff, but they still need to learn how to write because it's such a basic skill. I think like actually learning how to do handwriting helps you learn a language a bit easier as well. Like rather than just learning how to say it and read it, like if you write it yourself, it's a bit easier to learn. So it kind of helps develop language in earlier like primary school kids. It's it's fundamentals. You still need to learn how to read and write. Do you think the inability to write properly for a child would impede their brain development? Going back I, to forming letters. Yeah, for, um, I, don't, I don't have any scientific mm. um, data that I've come across. I'm sure it has been done, but I don't know it. Um, but, uh, yeah, anecdotally, I would have thought that uh, that not being able to do that or something similar. Uh, I I, I have been thinking about, you know, well, obviously learning to type, you you know, there is a degree of 
digital dexterity that goes into that but is it the same it's it's a much more limited use of your hands mm -hmm. that you know handwriting is is using your arm there's a, a lot more yes. muscles uh, and fine fine <laughs> movements that are involved and i i, I think that you know on, on that basis the the brain is getting more of a workout when it's doing handwriting mm. than when it's doing typing but um, um i, I, I could be wrong on related that. fun fact i was researching mm. bilingualism and what are the benefits to the brain and i found out that somebody who cannot read and write but is bilingual has the same brain effect as someone who is monolingual but can read and write so there's something going on with our brains it's when like we, having a second language. It is another mm. language. Like you said, it's something that we well, do learn that's mm. on top of our mother tongue, mm. even if it seems like yeah. it's all I, English. I, I, I brought up my kids bilingually because my wife's Danish. Um, and uh, kids can pick up language, uh, two languages, just as easily as one. You know, there's a whole generation of immigrants into New Zealand mm. uh, about, you know, in the um, 40s, 50s and 60s who came in and said, we're not going to speak our own language to these kids. They've got to assimilate. Yes. Totally wrong thing to do. No, it's you know? terrible. It, it, whereas if you'd actually brought them up with two languages, they would be way, uh, you know, have, have a, a much better brain development. Mm. You know, not to mention all the opportunities yeah. you have by being bilingual and yeah. all the rest, yeah, which is New Zealand's sort of yeah. who's preoccupation with who's English. Who's bilingual in this room? Well, I am. Danish. I, I speak Danish. Yeah. Uh, I speak a little bit of other languages, but none properly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, 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 me yeah. Too. yeah. French, German, Spanish, like yeah. beginner level of yeah. all three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, English is crying shame. Yeah. yeah, well, we teach it much too late. You you need to start language Indeed. teaching very early on in primary school, and we, we leave it till intermediate, and it's much too late. So, mm -hmm. this is off topic, Generally. but I want to um, let's talk about it anyway. Let's make yeah. Te Reo compulsory in New Zealand. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It has to happen. It should have happened 30 years yes. ago. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a. a an entrenched political resistance, mm. uh, and I, I think that that is just pandering to, to monolingual New Zealand if we're going to talk politics. I mm. think that New Zealanders are quite dreadful in their monolingualism, mm -hmm. um, and, and they are intimidated by other languages, and I think that's a terrible shame. Mm -hmm. um, that's so yeah. true, we're so insecure about I, 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 The sad thing for me is that I didn't get on top of the whole issues of either bilingual or biculturalism until I'd actually gone and lived in Denmark for four years and came back and then suddenly realised, holy heck, there's all this stuff that I never... It's very easy to here. ignore yeah. if, you, if you want to yeah. in New Zealand. So, yeah. so that change changed my attitudes very much. Mm. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Very interesting and very <laughs> off topic. I think that's fine. Hey, that's, acad that's academia for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're about. So, um, research also shows that um, eight-year-old kids are more confident at typing than at writing. So, um, which kids? Which eight-year-old kids. Eight-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. I've got an eight-year-old. <laughs> okay. More confident typing than writing. Yeah. Mm. Would you say it's true? Using in a your family? It could be. I think it's easier. I think that's the point. An eight-year-old will be at a point, um, and my eight-year-old, she's quite, um, I don't want any calls from NetSafe, but she's quite savvy online. <laughs> and so she's quite um, comfortable with the keyboard, whereas she's still only at eight 
her letters aren't quite perfect yet, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so in a sense, yes. But I think that that's mostly because of the ease. What I would really like to see her do is ten finger type instead mm-hmm. of. Um, picking and foraging, which is how most people type these days. Um, Having been a reporter, I was taught at the age of 17 shorthand and typing. Um, So touch typing, not looking. Ten-finger touch typing. I learned touch typing in my 40s, you know. Um, Mavis Beacon, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm having PTSD. (laughs) high school. Oh, my God. But the the thing about uh, about writing is that it's, it's also gendered. Like, girls are about two years ahead of guys in terms of their development. Uh, So, uh, for me, the perfect age to teach somebody calligraphy is a a girl of 11 years old is the best person. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. They all were when I was uh, sort of teaching that age group. Uh, The the hand skills were just fantastic. Aesthetically, not so much, but Mm -hmm. they, they had a way to learn that. But guys were never at that same level. That would be interesting, because um, how many years ago that were you were, teaching? That was, uh, when I was teaching intermediate, was in the uh, 80s. Yeah. So now, if that was mm. 2017, it would it still now. be 11, yeah. 11 years old for a girl? It's a research yeah. project yeah. in there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be very interesting. Give you some work. <laughs> yeah. I've always wondered how handwriting affects um, self-belief, because my handwriting's pretty rubbish. Mm. And I, I don't lack in self-belief, but I think I'd be a kind of more outspoken, confident individual if my handwriting was beautiful. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I re- redid my handwriting because when I became a calligrapher, uh, at, at that point, I decided that realistically I couldn't uh, professionally go out <laughs> into the world with the handwriting that I had which was was pretty awful. Um, so I took six months and relearned a, a, a better base. Wow. Uh, and it took six months to... So it, it, it can be done at any time of life. Well, that, was, that was in my though, 20s, yeah. yeah. Oh, when I yeah. see someone with pristine handwriting, I do judge them a little. I think they must Negatively. be kind of uptight. I mean, I've got chicken scratches, but I'm like friendly and not taking life too seriously. I think they must be, you know, very prim, <laughs> which is maybe a little unfair. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't personal until it was. <laughs> but yeah, 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 I mean, you, you, can, you can use just words in different ways, mm. you know, so I, I mean... Uh, it's it's what what I said. It's about uh, if you're prepared to apply discipline to your your um, your life, um, then yes, you can you can build up a, a you know a, a solid handwriting. Mm. Some people have it more easily, of course. And Some what about just pick it up very easily, and others don't. Yeah. Mm. What about mm. the sort of myth of the doctor with the appalling handwriting? That's not That's a myth. myth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> says yeah. to me like that doctors are highly trained and you highly know strung. presumably intelligent and all the rest so but they can be yeah. all those things and highly strong oh, it's a very high pressure job but i'm just saying that no, their bad handwriting is obviously not the, a sign that they're no, stupid the, or no. the thing the thing that the thing that uh, you know i'd actually love to be able to test um and and t- uh, be able to teach um doctors handwriting through microscript because uh 
surgeons have to have incredibly fine motor skills, or at least until some of the recent um, technologies Robot came Steger. in. <laughs> you know, but the very the finest of fine uh, motor skills. And I reckon that if you taught them handwriting at a micro level, mm -hmm. you could make their writing way way better, mm -hmm. right? But it's it's not the surgeon here. Yeah. It's the GP. Uh, They're uh, the uh, ones uh, who's writing. Yeah. I, I That's feel where the problem is. I feel for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, take, take two daily, take, take 25 daily. Yeah, well, I, I always wondered whether 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 the, they provided the chemist with a, with a sort of uh, uh, special uh, codes. So yeah, yeah, they yeah, could yeah. Un unravel it. Because well, they do do it digitally mm, now, don't they? Yeah, we, we in this research for this podcast, <laughs> apparently there are deaths every year due to incorrect uh reading oh, really? of the prescription yeah oh, so boy. people yes. getting too many milligrams of whatever so if you want to be a doctor you should start with handwriting at the age of four indeed, <laughs> indeed. and playing the violin for those motor skills perhaps yeah well whatever uh, <laughs> violin's a good one and going on from doctor's handwriting to your own handwriting mm. how would you rate yourself so say one dog's breath ten you're like <laughs> I'm the man. And we know that Peter's closer to 10 because he's trained himself. I'm really a 5. Well, Would you consider yourself to be? Oh, gener generally about a 7. A seven? Yeah, I think I think I. Be I, kind. I, 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 yeah. But his standards would be so high. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually pinched an example from Peter's desk, <laughs> and we can I can read every word. So, that's so, yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that an eight. Yeah. That's it's, quite it's, it's nice scrappy. wide letters. Mm. I like yeah. it. That's like not it. the chicken's Yeah, 8.5. Mm. And you'd say, <laughs> I would give myself a 5 out of 10. Mm. A 5? Yeah, I've had always difficult uh, upright uh, one minute, left right leaning the next. Uh, mm. You know, For my me, brain's three. My brain's three words ahead of my hand. Yeah. I just, I'm just a bad writer. Um, <laughs> but I live with that, and I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> so know. well adjusted. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a five or a six as well. But I think it changes with the pen. If I get a nice fine tipped pen, it makes yeah. me write a whole lot nicer. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say a six. I'm very inconsistent. Mm. Like sometimes I write really Let's nicely, see. and then other times. It's, oh, I think that uh, it is quite nice writing. Mm. I can't read any of it, so? but it is pleasant looking. I struggle to read my handwriting sometimes, mm. yeah. which the, is problematic. The, prob the problem for you is that you've you've learned a, a print hand and and then just joined it up for speed rather than yes. learning a proper cursor. Ah, yeah. 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 I That's see true. a workshop yeah. in this, Peter. <laughs> I think we need to learn cursive from you, yeah. please. Keen. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I have an example of my own handwriting for you guys to analyze. <laughs> so, um, how do we make handwriting more fun and interactive for kids? Uh, who says education has to be fun and interactive? <laughs> Some of it's just got to be sit down, do it, and, and and it will become evident later why it's necessary. Well, that didn't work you for know, maths. I know, oh, that's true. <laughs> I think it's what do you write for, for one thing, and, you know, uh, and how is it explained a lot of the time? Uh, it, it, kids, we, we underestimate sometimes the explanation that needs to go to kids about why this is important. Uh, you know, if you can, if you can say, 
learn this. Le- let's let's teach you some calligraphy so you can do really cool Christmas cards and write gothic <laughs> lettering and do the amazing stuff. And then let's learn a script so that you you're able to uh, write anytime you want, even if your phone's broken, etc. <laughs> kids, kids, shock get horror. That, mm. you know. Yeah. Neural pathways, kids. Mm. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, let's have another form of brain gym. It's yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not sure that it's an either-or thing. No. I'm just thinking of the kids around eight who are the same age as my daughter. And I was thinking my daughter really, but she loves writing by hand. Mm. She, lo- she doesn't see it. She doesn't no. see it as a choice between no. typing or writing. No. And I, I hope that her and, and the generations that follow her will grow up thinking that they're just learning two skills, not that one has superseded the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the only question for that, and perhaps Peter could help yeah. us here, is in 50 years' time, yeah. how many opportunities in a day are there going to be to use a pen? Or, or how many times will you be required to use handwriting? Because to me, if we don't maintain a focus on the opportunities to use it, then what's the point of learning it? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends what you're doing. As I say, my, my uh, preference is to handwrite if I'm taking notes or if I'm nutting out ideas because I find I think better mm. when I'm writing. I, I, don't, I find that my thinking is less clear when I'm sitting on a computer mm. and I, I think it has it actually has a bit to do with body posture mm. and things you know and if you're designing yeah. if you're a designer or anything that's yeah. vaguely creative or other visual you can yeah. handwrite and draw a picture yeah. at the same time but you can't really do that on a computer I mean, without I, getting I, Photoshop up. I'd really like us to see ta- you know tablet technology taking off more mm-hmm. you know that that's the the ideal um, but, you know, it's difficult to write software that, that accurately um, reads people's handwriting mm. and so on. Especially so when it's mm. being overtaken by voice yeah. recognition software. That's right. Yeah. Um, are we going to need to write something when our laptop can just write it for us? Yeah. 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 Well, I've, you know, I've, got, I've got Dragon and, uh, <laughs> you know, I got Ouse, so, you know, my type, I can only type for so long and then I go over to voice recognition. Mm-hmm. So, um, And what do you, how, how successful is it, Peter? Do you think uh, it's if, accurate enough? Well, it takes six months to get it to the point where, where it's it's a, a help rather than hindrance. You have to teach it your you voice. It. You, your you thick t- accent, Peter, yeah, is uh, really hard to understand. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> dreadful at that. You know? <laughs> So it it uh, but no it it picks up about ninety percent almost straight away but then you just have to train it on particular words. That's brilliant. Um, uh, it's it, it's been a, a help. I I uh, you know wouldn't survive without it. Um, so so I I, I just think. Uh, I take an ancient Egyptian approach to this. You know, the Egyptians <laughs> were the ultimate people of when something new came in, they'd say, Great, assimilate it with the old. Yes. Right? Put it together. So we had none of this neoliberal uh, thing of the new must new displace thing. the yeah. old. Yes. Um, oh, it was just like the Kindle, yeah. wasn't it? We, we, there mm. was the fear that e-books were going to take over but people yeah. will just do both now yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, I bookstores are doing fine I think radio was supposed to kill mm-hmm. newspapers yeah. television was supposed to kill radio the yeah. internet was supposed to kill newspapers oh, yeah. no no it did do that <laughs> <laughs> television was supposed to kill film you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so you know they, they, you, you never know and I mean they, you 
when when printing came in in the 1400s, you would have thought, oh, that's going to get rid of handwriting. Mm. When the typewriter came, yes. you'd, that's going to get rid of handwriting. It didn't, you know, it carries on. So I think, uh, you know, on, on uh, the sort of historical background, we can probably say that handwriting will find a place. Uh, uh, but it, it does come down to us as educators not to have a knee-jerk reaction and to go into this sort of thing of, oh, we can only deal with the digital because that's the future. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody knows what the future is, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and, and what I'm, future doesn't involve the past? Yeah, yeah well, well, a neoliberal well, one, we'll by and large. Yes. Right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get rid of them soon, Peter. Please, God. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing we sort of haven't had our crash course in is um, the history of letter writing and postcard sending. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, we were told by our colleague that Mm. uh, postcards went out of... Derrick Gurr in World War One, but is mm. that correct? And no, why? not really. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, th- I mean, the postcard as a form of social media uh, by, at the end of uh, World War One. I, I mean, a hundred years ago, the postcard was Facebook. Everybody was writing quick messages to everybody else. So uh, come over for dinner tomorrow, yeah, type of yeah. message. Uh, well, and and this is what I'm doing, and uh, you know, the, it's fascinating. The uh, first studying Twitter. studying uh, uh, studying postcard texts is really fascinating. Uh, you get this window into everyday life of that period, which we won't in all likelihood have if you know in 100 years time because uh, you know unless our digital oh, Facebook is storing is like, our um, yeah, but, information but for will sure it, t- digital technologies sort of go out of date really quickly but mm. anyway um, the so after the first world war it went into becoming the holiday thing so people people sent holiday postcards still do uh, but then you had little revivals like in the 1980s where you had advertising postcards really cut big so you know you, you couldn't go into a cafe in the mm-hmm. 1980s without taking free postcards and, yes. and so on yes, which was really true. fascinating um it, it's struggling at the moment uh, I, I think other than in the tourist area the postcard it, does, it has more or less migrated into uh, social media online because mm. uh, it's a bit hard mm. if you've just emailed your mum to then write her a postcard that she's going to get in three weeks time if you're but off it's in also, Mexico it's also a sort of different experience sending somebody by email a photo or, or by text mm. a photo you've taken mm-hmm. of the place you're visiting That's true. with your experience rather than finding one that a matches because, yeah. you know, when you're yeah. trying to find the right postcard, yes. well, you have to consider, does it match my experience of this place? Mm. And will it be whatever you need it to be for the person will you're sending it, it to? Now, that, impress the person. That, I may say so, is an extremely middle-class attitude. I'm extremely right? middle-class. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and there was some fascinating research done on karaoke a while back. Uh, which showed that it, it's a dividing line between working class and middle class attitudes because a middle class person will not do karaoke without either treating it ironically or giving it a, their own twist, whereas it, working class are happy to replicate something. And postcards and greeting cards are very were very much uh, taken on by the working classes who didn't have aspirations to originality, but did put in time to finding the right card to send to people. So it was the time that was put into it rather than the originality of it that was 
the important so they weren't writing the most Mm. original message to their mama they were just yes find find somebody else would become their voice Mm -hmm. right so the greeting card would emotionally take something that they didn't have the language to uh, communicate and uh, you know which is i i find an interesting thing and i think it, it on that basis the sort of greetings cards postcard things may carry on um, well, it seems like the greeting card industry has mm, gotten bigger. There's so yeah, many more driving. options, yeah. and yeah. most of them are appalling. <laughs> well, as I say, <laughs> they know their target audience. Yeah. You're not it. Oh, are you calling me middle class? <laughs> I think I need a pay rise to make that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever seen a postcard. I'm not sure if that's no, cultural well, the, the or interest, if it's no, You've never age. seen one. No, I'll never. tell you why. The, uh, not uh, one. There's, never. There's uh, two things that really, mm. really... I, I, I was I was on, uh, on national radio a little while ago talking a, a bit about this, and um, I had one of my former students write uh, and say, actually, I, I went overseas recently and I bought some postcards because I thought it would be cool to send home. And then I realised I didn't have the postal address of any of my friends. Mm. And I was telling this to somebody else who said, oh, yeah, and I, I didn't actually know how to address a, po- uh, address a letter. Yes, I've actually right? taught someone 10 years younger than me mm. where to write the address on an yeah. envelope. But I was shocked. She had a university education... Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. So, so the, 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 that's that's the battle, and frankly, you know, New Zealand Post needs to deal with that one because you know, if you've oh, got there's a social media campaign write, in there. I think. That. Yeah. Wow. I think you need to send a postcard to your grandmother. <laughs> WhatsApp's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> your grandmother's on WhatsApp. She is. I want you to send a postcard. She does. Yeah. She would love one. Yeah. I send her People love getting something through the post. Young people. People love getting we a letter, sure you know. do. You know, it's rare, but it happens, and mm-hmm. they and they get a kick out of it. So that's you know. true. Well, just like my package <laughs> yeah. today, online shopping helps with that, though. Trade <laughs> me safe the post trade office. <laughs> I, I say, do. I say, trade me virtually single-handed the amount of postcards I bought off Trade Me. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, uh, yeah, kept kept our, our postie busy for for several years. So when you, when you're collecting old postcards, yeah. Peter, they're not. Un, they're, they're blank ones, or they're actually people's. Well, they have a, a stamp and a crank and a, a message and. An yeah. I've bought a lot of old yeah. postcards with the message yeah. just at the antique stores yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I might show you my collection yeah, one day. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it's a fascinating yeah. thing to to, yeah. to buy, and uh, you know, if you just look for the messages, you can get things very cheaply. Uh, postcard collectors go for particular type of cards, and they usually like them unwritten on. But you know, I, I I'm interested in the social use of Absolutely. postcards. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you know, the the writing on them is is fascinating because I've you know because I'm a calligrapher, I can read it all fairly easily. Uh, you, you, because some of the Victorian handwriting is is a very different from today's. So it's almost so like a whole can, other language. It, you have to kind of learn it. Yeah, um, but, oh, that's fascinating. Mm. Well, I think. And we might have. Yes, oh, yeah. um, I think we've touched on this a few times, mm. but do you think it's possible for handwriting to become obsolete in society? Not it's that it would, po- but do you think it's possible? It's possible, but not likely, I think. Mm. It would be my take. I want, what do you think? Um, I think that's right. Mm. I think that there are too many reasons to keep 
it alive, even though there are plenty of reasons to also be using other devices, so other than a pen or a pencil. So I think that ultimately there is nothing as reliable as your hand and a bit of lead or, or charcoal. You know, it, it, it's the bottom line for us. As I said earlier, you have to be able to write help in the sand if you need to. Mm-hmm. You know, one day there will be a massive outage of power or internet or whatever. And if we if we can't communicate in written language, we have really, in, in some ways as a society, taken a huge step backwards with our, mm-hmm. with our digital technology. Yeah. We, we can't disempower the individual. That's, that's mm-hmm. my feeling. Mm. Well said. Yeah. I think that's a great point to end on. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much Perfect. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> So thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our very first episode of Afraid to Ask. If you have uh, any feedback on this episode, maybe something one of our experts said you disagree with, reach out to us on Twitter, hashtag AskAUT. AUT is also on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. Please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You win what does Marcellus Wallace look like? What's the deal with that? What's the matter with me, what? baby? What's the matter with you? How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? I say who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. What's the deal with everything? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Why?